welcome everybody to episode 44 of the Football United vs Soccer City podcast. I would like to sincerely thank all the interviewees, listeners and the soccer public of the Illawarra, Australia and the world who download this podcast. Additionally, I'd like to say thank you to the people who contribute, comment and reminisce on the social media pages. Please note, if you have a person you think I should interview, please message me directly on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter. Paul Girardi started playing junior soccer in 1969 as a left fullback with Winuna Junior Soccer Club down at Ocean Park. Although humble about his own abilities, Paul was proficient enough to play representative junior soccer for a couple of years along with his club soccer with Winuna and school soccer with Winuna High School. His senior career started with Ferry Meadow under-18s in the Illawarra Premier League in 1977, while he was still dual-registered with his junior club, Winuna. The first couple of years at Ferry Meadow allowed him to play with his brother and good friend, Dean Gardner. Added to this, his under-18 team had success, winning the Cass Cup a couple of times. Paul was approximately 16 and a half years old when he joined the Balambi Rosellas after being asked to come across by his former high school teacher, John Frew. Here, he played first grade under John Frew and other experienced senior players such as Rob Banks, Tony Gill and Jeff Farrer. He learnt a lot of Balambi and after this, he joined Wollongong United with his brother, Dean and the Satin Brothers in 1981. Here in State League 2nd Division, he was coached by Mike Johnson, a coach that had an enormous influence on his football career as well as his life. Mike was an intense man and it was fascinating to hear Paul discuss his time with Mike. For several years, he played with Wollongong United slash Wollongong Macedonia along with many teammates. His time at the club was highlighted by the State League derbies between Ferry Meadow another intense coach in John Bingham, and Paul's ability to play alongside very good friends. In 1989, Paul went across to Ferry Meadow Italia under Glenn Fontana in the State League for a year. Unfortunately, Ferry Meadow folded at the end of that year, and this was a sad event for Paul and the Illawarra. Next, he went to Balambi Rosellas for a second stint as a player under Steve Quirk. After a couple of seasons, he then moved on to Coniston, Macedonia with former teammate, friend and now coach Harry Satin in 1992. They had a successful year as Coniston won the league championship and were grand finalists. In 1993, he joined Fernhill Soccer Club as their coach Larry Gaffney rang him and at the time, it suited Paul's personal life. Paul played at Fernhill for a few seasons and amongst playing with a great club, he discusses former teammate Scott Chipperfield and very good friend and teammate Claudio Cellini. It was very insightful to hear Paul's thoughts on both men who have contributed a lot for our game in the Illawarra. Paul thought he had retired from first grade football in 1998 after finishing with Fernhill and he started to play with an amateur team. But he was mistaken as Winuna Sharks coach Ian Serson saw him play for the amateur team in the pre-season Coromel League's knockout in 1999. Ian liked what he saw and called Paul up, and at the age of 37, Paul played one year in Premier League at the club, where he started his football career 30 years prior. 
For me, the interview with Paul was fantastic, as I learned a lot about him, especially the Macedonia days, where he played at a high level with his brother and five to six very good friends. Paul has longevity and a passion for the game in the Illawarra. He played at a high level across two decades with strong and successful teams and coaches. Publicly, I'd like to pay my respects to him as he allowed me the time to speak with him for over two hours. I hope you enjoy the interview as much as I enjoyed recording it. Welcome everybody to the Football United vs Soccer City podcast. I'm here in the leafy surrounds of Coromel and on the other end of the line I have a very special guest in Paul Giraudi. Paul, welcome and thank you for being on the podcast. Yeah, hi Travis. Thanks for uh, thanks for the opportunity. No, thank you. In regards to yourself, you were born in '62, um, and and your first junior club was Winuna Junior Soccer Club. How did uh, playing with Winuna come about? Well, back in those days when we were young, younger, we lived in a different house and. In our teenage years, we're in, yep. we're in Little Street, Winona, and there was a park at the bottom of the the road there. Where one afternoon, I seen some kids kicking a soccer ball around with a couple of adults, and <laughs> my curiosity got the best of me. So we went down, had a look what was going on. They were actually soccer training, and um, one of the adult coaches just asked me if I wanted to join them. I ran home and got mum and dad to have a look, and they they agreed, and we, that was the start of our myself and my two brothers playing for Winona Junior Soccer Club. So in that uh, first year, did you, yourself and your two brothers play together or? My oldest brother Rob played a year above me and my younger brother Frank was two years below me. (laughs) Yeah. So what do you remember of that first year in in 69 of uh, Winona under sevens? Oh, not not too much, but um, I remember remember our coach was... uh, and Mr. Hardy, yep. John Hardy, and his son Paul was in our team. Yeah, I, I, I don't really remember too much about the soccer actually, but um, yeah, I do remember. I do remember Mr. Hardy and where he lived and <laughs> things like that. But yeah, soccer wise, I don't remember too much. <laughs> and and back then, um, it's it's a bit different to today that you were playing on the full field in under sevens. And so, what That's was correct. what was your uh, position, if you can recall? Yeah, my position playing juniors was uh, left fullback. Oh, okay. I was predominantly, I was predominantly left-footed. Yep. And um, all I remember was when the ball came, we just give it a boot up to the forwards. <laughs> <laughs> Not much. There wasn't much technical um, ability back in them days. And so for yourself, um, those initial years was just uh, learning the game, uh, learning a passion for the game, and and interacting with uh, people in your area at the Winuna Club. Yeah, pretty much. I, I I don't remember having a passion for the game in the first few years. I just I did enjoy it, but um, yeah, that that came later. The the, the passion, but um, yeah, I, I I do remember just probably at that even at that age, the first few years, not really having much confidence, and um, yep. just like I said, just when the ball came, I was told to boot it up to the forwards. That's what we did. <laughs> In um, under nines, you had a change of coach, which was uh, uh, Mr. Simpson, uh, who was a father of uh, Mark Simpson, if by your timeline. So um, things changed slightly there in under nines. Uh, well, not really, because I was still fullback, and um, yeah, Mr. Simpson, Steve Simpson, he, yeah, he was the coach. Um, 
and as you said, Mark, Mark was his son, and that was his interest in taking the side because his son, had, his son had joined the side, and um, and I do remember a bit more because we had some good players in that team. Uh, yeah, we had we had some quite a few successful years, even under nines and tens and elevens. Yeah, that, that, was, that was some good good junior years we had. And and do you recall some of your other teammates from from those nines, tens, and elevens days where you had some some uh, winning winning times? Yeah, there was uh, there was Glenn Shepherd who yep. uh, who went on to play successfully at a senior level too. Yep. As, as I mentioned, Mark Simpson, who you know we still see each other quite a bit. We actually golf together these days. And um, <laughs> um, there was Les Les Miller, John Chapman, um, Bruce Ireland, uh, Philip Newer. Yeah, I remember a lot of there was a lot of names I remember. Yeah, so uh, some familiar yeah. names for people in the Illawarra, that's for sure. Yeah, well, a lot of those guys didn't sort of go on with their careers, but you know they were good young players at that at that age. Back then, um, as I've talked to other people that that played in the the sixties and seventies from a junior perspective, uh, Gala Day, the annual Gala Day, was a pretty big event, wasn't it? It was, yeah. And I I remember uh, that was always held at uh, Balgowney. Yep. Over because that's a that's a large area, and then they made quite a few pitches for that particular day and I remember the march past and all that sort of stuff and yeah yeah they were good good junior days and for the listeners that aren't from the area and probably was the same around Australia potentially um it was a shortened version of the game where whereby um you had I guess lesser teams had more of a chance and and corners and shies were counted as part of a score yeah that's correct and I and I think even the grounds were a little bit smaller just just so yeah. I think Belgiana could get more grounds in and, and more more games in yeah, yeah, they were good days. <laughs> For you, um, Winuna, um, at that point in time, can you recall um, uh, the colour of their jerseys? Uh, were you playing at Ocean Park at that point in time? Yeah, Ocean Park. They had the old clubhouse on the um, northwestern side of the yeah. park. So you come up through the entrance to the, the... There was a road that led to the cemetery too, yeah. which is still there, obviously. And there was an old clubhouse. And uh, yeah, we we had uh, it was always red and blue. Uh, okay. Winona, Winona Juniors, yeah. And um, there was four grand, four fields at Winona Ocean Park. There was four fields, and on any given day, you could you could be playing on any of those one, any any of those fields. And during this time as well, uh, on weekends, would would you and your brothers or or other friends go down and 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 watch any soccer that was going on, or or were you sort of just left to your own devices to, to after you played your junior games to just muck around uh, around the streets? Well, um, Dad, my father was very um, supportive of us. He always used to take us. If, 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 he, if he couldn't watch me one week, he'd, he'd certainly watch us the next, and then he'd go and watch my brother and yep. then my younger brother. And he was always taking us to soccer and taking our friends around. And <laughs> Saturday mornings, yeah, it was, it was just a full full sort of day. But uh, after the games, we just no, we just went home and probably kicked the ball around with our cousins in the in the yard. And um, I remember when it was your turn to wash your shirts. That was that was a good week because we, <laughs> we put the shirts on <laughs> and and um, have a have a little three or four aside with our cousins and uh, mates. Yeah, so that, yeah, very cool. Good good memories. <laughs> yeah, definitely. You were playing left fullback, like you said, in those first three or four years um, and and what you'd probably be a, I guess a two three or a four um, when you did get to wash the shirts did you did you put on a, a sort of a seven a nine or a ten or, or or did you stick with your shirt that you played in on weekends 
I probably did stick with my shirt, yeah. Um, because in, in the younger days, I remember, like I said, I, I didn't really have much confidence with the ball. And, um, you know, I was like, even with Mr. Simpson, I was I was told not to go over halfway and <laughs> and, to, and just to get that ball up up front. So <laughs> there, wasn't, there wasn't much hanging around, you know, time on the ball in those days, which didn't really give me much confidence. So looking back on it now, um, you started your your representative soccer career in under-13s. You talk about that lack of confidence. When did that, I guess, confidence or change come that you then made a representative team in under-13s? Well, even at that stage, I I didn't... Uh, that confidence never came until a couple of years later, but even at even under-13s and playing Illawarra, yep. yeah, I, I, I still remember, you know, yeah, there was a, like a little bit of fear on getting the ball and not making a mistake. So, okay. again, I was fullback in the early days in the Illawarra sides and just, just basically getting rid of the ball, just just knocking it up front to the left winger or into the forward. And that, I, I remember my confidence, I didn't gain confidence until probably around under 15, where I was... I think one day we were, we were short of a midfielder, and I, Mr. Simpson said, "Right, you can play midfield today." And then it was like a light switch. I remember, and I remember the ground. Yeah. It was like I got the ball, you know, I threw a dummy, got past one guy, and then, and I just, I, 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 they, I, I remember the day. It was, yeah, it was like a light bulb moment, and I thought, well, hang on, I can, I can hang on to the ball, I can, you know, do something. A little bit more creative, and yeah, that changed that changed my whole um, thinking, you know, and gave me a lot, lot of confidence just in that one game. So, with um, with that change in sort of mindset, it, it must have been wonderful for you, and and opened up doors on the on the field. But I, I guess to a certain extent, before that, even if you're sort of saying that that happened at 15, if if you were playing representative football in 13s and 14s and it might not be your nature and you, you seem to be more humble, but you, you must have had a, a certain, I guess, proficiency at left fullback to, to make the representative team. Yeah, well, I guess I must have because um, the coach at the time we had was John Island. Okay. And in that same side, there was Mark Simpson and there was another teammate and we travelled to Sydney together to play in the representative games. Yeah. Um, I remember not, like I said, I don't remember not wanting to make a mistake and just being mm. just being very careful. And yeah, I, I do remember that until I got to the fifteens, uh, and then I moved up in the, you know, through midfield and that. And so in that that sort of under fifteen year, like you said, that light bulb moment whereby you you got given the chance by Mr. Simpson to to play in midfield, and and uh, uh, you did a few things, and and it just opened you up. What happened for the rest of that year? I do. I do remember getting most improved for that year, actually. Okay. <laughs> at the uh, at the old soccer presentation at the Bulleye Youth Club up there, Bulleye, there's still there, I think. Just the PCYC, or that's it. There, yep. we we had our presentations there every year, and uh, I do remember getting the uh, most improved, and then I just remained in midfield from <laughs> then on. And for yourself, those next year or two, um, when you're sort of turning 16, 17, and eighteen, those sort of two, three years, things really did sort of. I guess ramp up at at school. You were um, in the the school team, and, and was that under John Frew? Yeah, that pretty much. That was under John Frew, and uh, the big competition in the school days in those days was the Tasman Cup. Yeah, and um, and myself, and again, Mark Simpson, um, Glenn Shepherd, uh, the Miller Miller brothers. 
Les and Keith and John Chapman, um, we, were all, we all knew each other from junior soccer, you know, from Winona, and um, that was pretty much the nucleus of the team. And it was it was a good team, and I think I think we got to the quarterfinals of the of the Tasman Cup that particular year, wow. which would have been 1977. Which is uh, yeah. which is a big achievement, and and you know, like you said in your timeline, uh, a couple of years after you'd left uh, high school, Winona ended up uh, uh, winning it, didn't they? Yeah, that's correct. That was a couple of years after I left. Actually, my younger brother, Frank, was in that side that won it. And um, <laughs> myself and a couple of mates, uh, one of them being Dean Gardner, actually drove up to Newcastle to watch that game. And, um, <laughs> and I believe one of the teams they beat had the War Brothers in there, um, Steve and Mark War. Yeah. Oh, that was in the semi-final. So back to you, um, you're playing uh, representative football. And at that point in time, in that sort of uh, mid-70s there where you're where you're doing that, that was a not not an Illawarra team. It was called Wollongong City, wasn't it? Yeah, that's right. Um, and David Scheme was in the team. Um, Paul Kay yep. um, and Paul, Paul eventually uh, he actually got called up to the first grade side, playing with um, oh, all the great players there. Well, um, Peter Beggs, um, yeah. Phil O'Connor. Uh, so Paul Paul was a very successful junior. Um, David Skeen obviously went on to play. National League with St George and um, yeah, there was a couple of good plays in that side. At a club level or at Wollongong City, which was sort of like a state league team and a state league representative juniors as well, was it there that was it at Winoona or Wollongong City there where Peter Beggs was your coach? That was that was the last two years of uh, being at Winoona. Okay. Club. So that must have been a big buzz to have Peter, who, like you said, was playing first grade, coaching you at a club level. Yeah, it was. Yeah, uh, Peter was probably th- only I don't know three or four years older than us because he was. Mm. I think he was about nine or twenty at the time. And um, I remember one. I remember one afternoon we had training on, and so we all turned up. And he says, "Oh, look, there's no training today because I've got a big game on tonight." And that yep. game being Wollong City versus Middlesbrough up at the old Balls Paddock. Oh wow! So we all went up to watch that, and Pete. Pete scored a gem of a goal that day, I remember, that night. And um, Wollongong City were leading Middlesbrough at halftime 1-0. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I remember Graeme Soonis. Yeah. Is that right, Graeme? Yeah. Yeah, who went on to play for Liverpool and, you know, he was in that team that night. Um, Jack Charlton being the being the manager of the then Middlesbrough team. Yeah, that was, um, yeah, that was good memories there. Watching that game, and they were uh, obviously a, a huge team at the time. And being in Australia, where English football was sort of uh, the main part of the the soccer media back then, uh, it must have been a, a huge deal to watch a your coach score against them and and watch your quality players run around. It was, yeah, that was a buzz, yeah. And uh, I remember I remember listening to Craig Johnson's story because that was a, that was the team. That he also watched up in Newcastle, oh, okay. that, that uh, where he was able to get a trial with in England, um, and that was the reason he went to Middlesbrough because he, he he saw him there at Newcastle, that, you know, during that period, and um, <laughs> so that that was he that was the start of his career. Yeah. And I remember, I remember listening to his story, yeah, about that about that very team. And yeah, it's good memories. Yeah, definitely. So for you, you come to the end of '76. And then go into the '77 season, and then you're probably 15, turning 16 that year. And, and and what was the? Can you recall what what made you choose to 
to play uh, under 18s senior football at Ferry Meadow rather than, say, stick with representative soccer at Wollongong City or play with your, your junior club, Winuna? Well, that year I actually was playing for Winuna. It was under 16s. Yep. And then the reason I went to Ferry Meadow is because my brother Rob and my friend Dean yep. Gardner, they'd signed up for Ferry Meadow the year before. Ah, uh, okay. So the following year, I... I decided to go and join them, but I didn't join until about around I think it was about around May or June. So I had yep. a dual I had a dual uh, dual registration there. Dual register, yeah. So I was playing Winona sixteens and Fremantle under eighteen, and um, that was the that was the year that the Cass Cup first started. It was the under eighteen yeah. like uh, June uh, knockout, and it turns out that uh, in one of the well, Look, I'm not sure now whether it would be the semi-final or the final. We actually played Winona under-18s. Yeah, you did too. <laughs> so so, so I, I, there I was playing 16s for Winona, <laughs> playing under-18s for Free Meadow, and then playing Winona in the, uh, in the Cas- against Winona in the Cass Cup. So there was a few people at Winona that weren't very happy, <laughs> especially after we beat them. Yeah, it's it's very strange. It wouldn't happen these days. Normally, the dual registrations has to be, you know, you play with Bowgani Juniors, you dual register with Bowgani Seniors, not sort of crossing over yeah. like it was at its time. So, um, so did that sort of um, that year in '77 where you did play at Ferry Meadow sort of go well? Okay, I've I've got my brother and other other friends here. I'm going to stick here in '78 as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I enjoyed playing with my brother and. Um... Dean and a few other mates, and um, yeah, we yeah we had a good time. And '78, Ferry Meadow had a had a great first grade team, and a lot of players there that we all looked up to, all the young guys. And um, yeah, it was, we we just we just went played our game in the morning, and then just watched reserve grade and watched first grade. It was a whole day affair. And in that, um, I guess '77, you had Peter Kerr in your first year as. Uh as under-18s coach, and, and how was Peter as a coach? You know what, I because I'd come there sort of mid-year, mid, mid, mid year, um, oh, look, he was a good guy. I, I just remember he was, a, you know, was a fun guy and fullback for first grade, but um, I, I don't really remember too much of Peter at the time. Um, yep. I do remember more of the following year where Richard Pieck was, a, yeah. was the, uh, the new coach, and he, he was also in the first grade team, and, um, you know, they're all good guys. We just we just enjoyed our season and enjoyed our soccer, and um, you know it showed on the park, you know. And and yeah. and where were you playing in these uh, two three years that you were at Ferry Meadow in under 18s? Had you moved from yeah. left fullback into the midfield at this point? Yeah, that's correct. And then I went out to the left of midfield, which I stayed there pretty much for the rest of my soccer days. So I was predominantly left footed. Yep, and um, that was my position wide, wide left. And for you, do you think um, part of it as well was that Ferry Meadow at that point in time was in in the Premier League and and the top division in the Illawarra, and and, and Winuna were in the division below. So you sort of wanted to test yourself against the best, or was it mainly having your brother and friends there that sort of ticked you over to staying at Ferry Meadow? Yeah, pretty much. That my brother and friends were there, and um, you know we just wanted to hang out together and play together. Pretty much. And at that point in time, had had Ferry Meadow uh, had they moved to Police Boys Club at that time to to play their games? They were. Yep. Yeah, they were. The, the year we went there was the year they moved to the Police Boys Club. Okay. So that's all. That's that's the only place I've ever played for for Ferry Meadow was at, yeah. uh, 
we were the police boys. Uh, and after our games, Phil Carr was the first grade coach. He'd get us yep. to stand by, you know. So he'd, get, he'd, get, he'd pick a couple of uh, younger guys and, um, you know, my brother, myself, Dean, yep. we'd stand by for reserve grade. And, um, you know, we, we also enjoyed just standing by and getting the opportunity to play with some senior players. Yeah, well, at, at the time in the in the, that late 70s, Ferry Meadow were the, the number one team yeah. or one of the top two every year in, in, in league yeah. football and in the semis. So... Um, that must have been a buzz to sit on the bench um, and, and potentially have the opportunity. It was, yeah. It was great. And um, a lot of the first-grade players, you know, like sort of guys you look up to, they're all, they're all good guys. It was a good club, you know. Yeah, well, it, it has its uh, has its roots as an Italian club. So um, going to the fraternity afterwards must have been uh, part of the daily ritual on game day. Yeah, yeah, at sixteen, yeah, we're going to the fraternity. Sixteen years old. <laughs> back in the, back in the days when we could do that, but um, yeah, and I made some good friends also. That uh, like Paul Landringham was playing first grade. Yep. Uh, Robert Fracasso, who's, who's been a good mate of mine since. Um, you know, they're all a lot older than us, but we became good mates, and we still are to this day. So, so uh, that nineteen eighty season, you you left uh, Ferry Meadow when. And um, you know you were 16, turning 17, um, and and very very young. But you were playing. You went across to to Bulambi. So uh, how did that move come about? Well, in '78 was my last year at school, and um, John Frew was a big influence on, on on a lot of the young guys coming out of Winona. Um, yep. I was playing Tasman Cup, and John had just got the job, new first grade coach at Bulambi. Okay. And at the towards the end of '78, he asked um, he asked myself, uh, Glenn Shepherd, and Mark Simpson to, to, to come over to Blamby and um, you know and sign up with them, and um, so which we did in the '79 season. So that was the start of our our first grade, pretty much. We were, we were all all three of us were thrown in the deep end at uh, 16 and a half, 17 years old, and um, playing against you know great great teams such as the one I just mentioned, Ferry Meadow. Um, Tarawana had a good side. Uh, you know, there's quite a lot Berkeley of good sides. Strong. Berkeley was strong. Berkeley was strong. Tree was strong. Um, Dacto were, were pretty strong. And um, so, yeah, we got the three of us got thrown in the deep end with um, some, some good quality players in, of the Illawarra at the time in, in Robert Banks, um, Tony Gill, Jeff Farrah, Fritzy um, Heaven. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, just, just uh, it was it was just an amazing um, experience for, for us, you know. And, um, you know, something to give us also a bit more confidence that you know we can, we could do that. You know, at that young age. You yeah, know. definitely. So you went across to Blamby, and and so that must have been a, a huge thrill to play first grade at that age. But did did the Ferry Meadow Club uh, sort of say to you guys, hey, uh, don't go across, or you know, uh, we want you to stay, or it was just a matter of okay, we've got a quality first grade. Um, good luck. Thanks for your time and. Um, you know, go from there. No, no, no. Ferry Meadow did want us to stay. Yep. Uh, Frank Frank Saladino, who was the sort of like main man. Yep. Cheech, Cheech, <laughs> um, nickname Cheech. Yeah, he was a very nice, very nice man, and yeah. um, he he wanted us to stay. But you know, we we, we just said, look, um, John's John's offered us an opportunity to sort of, you know play first grade at a young age, we want to want to try that. And, you know, we weren't stopped because, you know, they weren't going to stop any young kid 
to try yeah. and sort of better themselves. And um, at the time, they had a great first grade team, and you know, that's that's pretty much what happened. And um, yeah, we we just tried our luck at Blamby. And you were again uh, playing in that left midfield role. Yeah, left midfield. Um, yeah, to, um, out wide type of thing. And how did you go with it? Sort of sixteen and a half, and then turning seventeen that year, uh, um, playing against sort of seasoned men and and the physicality of the game. That that the, you know, apart from the skill which you you have, but just the physicality of of playing in first grade. Yeah, well, the physical side of the game wasn't wasn't my strong point. Um, but but I never felt nervous. I always felt confident, and um, okay. that never that never phased me playing against uh, whoever. I, I just I just I still remember thinking, you know, I took it in my stride, and I I, I just loved the opportunity. And for you, um, the end of that season, did you think, well, I'm going to stick around, or or you did make a move and you went across with your brother and a few other mates and Dean Gardner again, who's sort of a, a common theme. Um, in in your timeline, you went across to to Wollongong United in in the the state league second division. Yeah, that's right, Travis. Um, so the year before, when when we started at Blamby '79, my brother and um, a few other mates, which which were the Sutton brothers, Harry and Ronnie. Yep. They'd gone to Wollongong United the year before us. Okay. Under a new coach, Mike Johnson. Yep. And Mike was a coach like I don't think I've had any other like just. Full on, <laughs> and he was he, he was second to Frank Arrock at St George. Yeah. And, um, so he came to Wollong United, and um, the year after, myself and my good mate Dean Gardner followed my brother and the Sutton brothers to Wollong United, and that was 1981 because we wanted to, you know, see if we can go up another notch. So it was more the the sort of challenge uh, of state league and and playing a level above that that really prompted you to to have a crack at. Wollongong United? Pretty much, yeah. And um, I just turned 18 that year too. And um, yeah, it was it was another challenge for us and, uh, and, a, and a big learning experience because, uh, yeah, Mike Johnson was um, yeah pretty pretty intense sort of guy. And, um, you know, the training, the training, uh, that just, it was just another level. In, in regards to, to, to Mike Johnson, and his training. What would the you know what were the sessions that you were having before, and and what made them more intense? Um, come the Tuesday, Thursday when you train under him. Oh, well, first of all, he was he was a pretty strict sort of guy. Yep. Um, had to, we he, he, we had to call him boss. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> yeah. So that <laughs> we had to call him boss. It was it was a typical uh, English style. Yep. Um, coach, um, so he was the boss, and we had to call him boss. And um, pre-season, I remember uh, we'd be training Sunday mornings. We'd have to be there at seven o'clock Sunday morning. I remember at Kelly Park, you know, and he wasn't stupid. He wasn't stupid. He made it seven o'clock for a reason because he, he knew if he went out Saturday night and you know had too many beers, then he was going to find out. So he, he, he only wanted guys that were going to be serious. So and discipline. And discipline. So most of the guys were, you know, it was, yep. it was great. We and we got straight into a two-mile run. You know, this is in, this is at seven o'clock in the morning, like, <laughs> and then and then we did, then we did half a dozen four hundreds, then we did eight two hundreds, then we did a dozen one hundreds. It was just it oh, was, it was Frank Arrock. It was it was Frank Arrock uh, sort of style coaching. Just you know, get get the guys fit as you can, 
Yep. And prepare prepare for the season, you know, because um, he he was a believer that if you if you were fitter than any other team, you you'd always come out on top, you know. So was there um, that preseason? Was there was there much of the ball, or was it predominantly just running and just getting that aerobic fitness in? Oh, the first the first four to six weeks was yeah. There was a lot of running, a lot of running. Um, we always we always ended up possession with the ball, but yep. predominantly running. Yeah. And do you think because he had had that relationship under Frank Arrock, and you know he, he he'd been a good player himself, that that sort of was for you guys uh, an incentive. Well, geez, if we're being coached by this guy, um, you know this is how football is. Pretty much, yeah. It was um, like it was a learning curve for us. We'd never experienced anything like it, and um, you know it was either either you be disciplined and. Yep. And do what he asked, otherwise you'd be out. You know, you'd be out. He, he wouldn't want you. So it was, it was, it was quite another, quite another step up. You know, as far as the coaching goes. Um, and for you in '81, did you then start in first grade, or did you have to sort of play in reserve grade for for a few games and and then make your way into the team? Uh, no, I, I, um, I actually, I actually was in first grade pretty much from yep. from the word go, and. Um, and my brother and, and um, Dean, yeah, we, 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 you know that that was our life. <laughs> there was five or six of us, our brothers, mates, and that was we trained together, we we played soccer together, we um, we went out together. But that was our life. That, that you know, we all, we just loved the game so much that um, we had the discipline, and and he saw that in us, and um, you know, he gave he, he gave us a go, he gave us all a go, and um, yeah, it was. Really enjoyable. And what about for yourself? You know, you'd had the sort of representative days in in thirteens, fourteens, and fifteens, and 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 travelling to Sydney. But how was it at senior level now, playing against some of these Sydney clubs and being a level up? How did you find that? Yeah, I found it. I, I, look, I found I took it in my stride. I, I um, I was I was comfortable with it. Um, confidence wise, I was. I just I felt good about it, and um. Obviously, you know the fact that my brother was in the same team and um, my good friends. Um, you know, we all tra- like I said, we travelled together. We travelled to Sydney together. It was just um, that's the way it was, and yeah, we we all enjoyed it. And today, you're still friends, and and you speak to a lot of these guys regularly. Do you think, looking back on it, how lucky you all were that you did it together? That you know, it's very rare in team sports um, to have true friendships, and then. Those those friends have the same sort of skill level to to play at state league all together in the one team. It is rare, yeah, for, for, for five or six of us to be so close and to be in the same team. It was it was it was, it was unbelievable. And during that period there, and and we'll talk a bit about it uh, in the coming years. You stayed at Wollongong United, or or I think at some point they changed their name to Wollongong Macedonia. There was a a, a sort of rivalry there with. Uh, with Ferry Meadow because Ferry Meadow had had um, after the uh, I think it was the eighty season nineteen eighty season joined uh, the state league in eighty one. So how did how did you find playing against Ferry Meadow again, even though you did it at Blamby um, in in the state league? Oh, I found it okay. I mean, it was it was um, it was it was obviously a derby now. Yeah, um, where we're playing in the same comp, and um, it was always a good day to play. In. It was a good game to play because. The crowds were always big. Macedonians, the Macedonians always supported us. We'd, we'd always have a couple of thousand people down at Berkeley Sports Ground. 
Yeah. And then come come uh, Ferry Meadow joining the league, you know, that would double, you know, with the Ferry Meadow supporters. And so I remember the first game at Clunas uh, Oval, there was, I think there was around 4,000 people watching watching the, one of the first um, derbies. And, um, yeah, it was just, just exciting to be, just to be part of it. Yeah, and, and and like you said, it's exciting. Herb Clonus uh, and Police Boys Club, or, or whatever its name, that is a, a very small ground compared to Berkeley. So, you know, four thousand in that ground is a, it must have been just sort of a, a sea of noise and and um, you know a great place to play. Yeah, it was. It was nice and compact, and um, it looked like there was ten thousand in there. But um, <laughs> yeah, it was. <laughs> so it was. They were good games to play in. Yeah, very enjoyable. And what about Mike on um, Johnson on game day? Like you said, he was very strict, um, a, a lot of instructions. So would he would he give set instructions as a team, or would he speak to individuals, or or, or was it was it a bit of both? Yeah, a bit of both. He, but we we had to, we always we always met at uh, midday somewhere. Yep. Whether it be in Sydney or in Wollongong. Okay. Most of the time, we'd meet at the Macedonian Church. Okay. And he'd go through, he'd go through, yeah, the instructions. He'd go through the other team. He'd actually get you standing up. You know, he'd put two chairs. That's your goals, right? I want you standing here for this corner and there for that corner and whatever. So we all had our positions. So we'd work it out. You know, wherever, whether it be a club in Sydney where we'd meet, you'd always have, um, you know, you'd always have a standing up and getting in our positions for particular set pieces, and so we knew exactly what was going on during the game. So he was meticulous in his planning then? Oh, very, yeah, very. And did that sort of uh, appeal to you uh, personally, that, you know, you knew exactly what you had to do and and because you were, your personality, like you've said in, in the last 20 minutes in the interview, was, you know, you were comfortable wherever you played and had a, a level of confidence. Did that give you further confidence? Yeah, um... Like I said, it was like I said earlier. It was nothing before I'd ever seen in um, in, in coaching. So this was another sort of a, a level for us, and it, it was it was sort of eye opening. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, it was good. And he um, was there ever an occasion where you know whether it was um, you know someone made a mistake or or someone sort of ad libbed or sort of broke ranks with with his plans. Um, you know, was he was he cool and calm about it, or or was it half time or full time? Did he sort of pull you aside and sort of let you know that hey, you can't do that sort of thing? Yeah, no, he was. Yeah, he, he pretty much told it. If you made a mistake and that wasn't happening again, yeah, it was pretty full on. Yep. And he, he wasn't the sort of guy either to give you praise, but okay. you know when he did. But you know <laughs> when he did, which was very rare, <laughs> that you, you, you played well. <laughs> And I, I think he, I think, he, I think he did it to me once or twice in a couple of years, and <laughs> and my brothers and friends. But he, he just come up to you quietly after a game, and he put he put his arm around you and say, "Oh, you had a big game today," and that was it. But one thing I remember too, Travis, I remember Mike Johnson saying to us because he, he wasn't only a coach; he was like he'd sit us down and talk to you about your goals, your life, you know, and about life as well as. Oh, okay. Um, you know where you want to be in five years, where you want to be next year, where you want to be in ten years. So you know that was that was a learning experience, not 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 a soccer learning experience, a life learning experience. And he he, he taught us, you know, about you Amazing. know having goals and, and achieving your goals. He, you know that's why he was just just on another level. He was so different, and um, he he was actually 
I think it was New South Wales or Australia's top salesman for AMP insurance okay. um, back in the days when he was coaching us. Yeah, he took he had an office up in Miranda, multi, multi-story office there. Had all these certificates for what he's done in his life and um, and his goal was always to coach Australia. That was his goal. He t- he'd, he'd tell us that all the time, you know, before a training session, you know, and um, so here he, he taught us all about goals and, you know, life experience and all that sort of stuff too. So, yeah, it was more than soccer with him too. It was, you know, it's about, about life experience too and, um, you know, that's why we a lot of us respected him, you know, because he, he was tough but he was he taught us a lot of lessons. You know, young guys. Yeah. Do you th- do you think um, you know, uh, when you look at yourself now, um, personally, you you know, you've had the support of your family and and friends, and I'm sure that they've given you advice and and taught you things over the year. But do you think that that period um, sort of set you up as a person in in other parts of your life as well? Oh, definitely, definitely. Yeah. I, I started my own business in 1988, and yep. I'm still going. So 32, 32 years now, and um. You know, you just think back about those those um, lessons that he that we spoke about, and you know, achieving things, and um, not only for yourself but also for your family. You know, yeah. there's, there's lots of things in life. You know, having a successful marriage, a successful relationship with your children. Mm. You know, it all it all it all sort of blends into one. You know, when you when you know when you have these goals. You know what I mean? But one thing I remember Mike Johnson told us too was. As far as soccer players are concerned, he, um, he used to say there's three things in soccer. There's three traits. You've got speed, you've got skill, and you've got aggression. Yep. He said, he said very rarely has one player got all three. Yep. He says a lot have got two, but most players have only got one of those things. Um, if you've got two or three, you probably find that you probably reach a high level of soccer. You know? yep. um, obviously, getting back to what I said earlier, you know, I lacked – the aggressive side of the game, um, yeah. it's not in my, it just wasn't in my DNA. That's, yeah. uh, that's that's what I believe, but I had the skill. Didn't really have much speed, but, and that's the way it was for me. But, um, you know, I, I, I remember those three things, you know, if, you, if you've got all three, you're probably going to, you know, end up doing quite well, you know. He sounds like a, very much a, an innovator for, for that period of time in the early 80s that a lot of other coaches weren't having that talking with players in that capacity and you know he seemed like a all-round coach in mm. that sense oh yeah he was and uh, he also had a couple of books that he published on um on just um training methods pre-season yep. training um training methods throughout the year yeah he's quite a successful man um in more ways than one you know and you know he, he he's he's someone that really he's in the back of my mind that you think of every now and then you think you know of the things that he he showed you and taught you you know Big, big influence. He was. Yeah, well, it, it definitely sounds like that, and and I, I like that part of uh, interviewing people when they talk about people in that in that way. That you know, it was not just football, um, not just mm. players that you had friendships with. That that he still sticks in your mind now, and and that sort of says a lot about um, how he coached and and how he coached you in particular. Yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah, he was he was uh, one of a kind, and um, he. he um, he'd stick after training. He'd, pick, he'd, he'd for instance, he um, he'd keep Dean behind. I remember Dean Gardner. Yeah. He'd just get the ball. He'd just knock the ball into Dean. He'd get a turn and shoot, turn and shoot. You know, um, that wasn't probably one of Dean's strengths, but he, he he just stayed back and just 
worked you know, on it. Yeah, worked on it. Dean's Dean, Dean's strengths was um, his running. He was a strong runner um, in the air. He was excellent. Um, so on the ground, Mike Johnson saw that that, that was a weakness, and he, he worked on it with Dean. And um, you know that that helped Dean no end. You know, so that's the that was the type of coach he was. Um, he, he'd um, if you needed help in a certain area, he'd he'd, he'd stay back and he'd, he'd just work on you. He was that dedicated. You know, it's definitely it's definitely great that we uh, get the opportunity to flesh out a bit of what he's done with yourself and others uh, when you were at Wollongong United. Yeah, sure, yeah. And what about, like you spoke about, you're at a Macedonian club and, you know, back in that era, it's had huge followings, as did Wollongong United slash Macedonia. So um, the support that you must have got, you know, by the supporters, um, I guess you would have known if you had a good or bad game by by the way that they were uh, sort of uh, giving you feedback during and after the game. That's right. That's right, Travis. Um, the Macedonians, um, they were good supporters when you were winning. <laughs> um, but if, if things didn't go so well, yeah, they, they weren't – not that they took out too much on the players, but probably more so on the coaches. But Yep. And then you'd see the numbers drop. If you had a few bad results, the crowd would drop and drop and drop. But, um, look, generally, they were the great – they're great supporters, you know. And um, we are fortunate to have sort of – Fairly, fairly competitive sides, you know, and, yeah. um, and so we always we're always doing fairly well, you know, and um, the uh, the support was fairly consistent throughout our period there at Wollongong United, yeah. And what about um, um and and not that I, I guess I do it more out of curiosity, but um, what about player payments? If you compared it to say the time where you were, I guess, working during the week versus what you got paid. On a Saturday, was it was it a a good level of of pay um, at that period of time, especially for a young person? Uh not not when we first went there. I think. Yep. I think I think they were. I think it was around fifty dollars a game or something, yep. fifty or a win or something like that. Which which you know that's not the reason we went there. No no no. Um, but um, I, I pretty much remember. Yeah, for the first year or two, it was like fifty to a hundred dollars a game type of thing. Yep. And, uh, and then as things sort of moved up and we eventually got the state league, um, you know, then, you know, the money went up too. And, um, yeah, like back in the mid-80s compared to what you were earning, yeah, you could, you could sort of double your age pretty much. And so that must have, I guess, some of it, I guess, went on the logistics of, of travelling to training. You know, you were sort of northern mm. suburbs going out to, to Berkeley to train and then or JJ Kelly and then... Also travelling up to Sydney or carpooling with 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 your brother and friends and and fellow players as well. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. So yeah. um, Mike um, finished up, and then um, you had Larry Ashbolt um, for two years. Um, at at that point in time, when when Mike finished um, and Larry took over, did you did you think about leaving? Leaving Wollongong United, or or was it just a case of okay, a new coach has come in. Um, let's see what happens. Yeah, no, we stayed around, and um, yeah, I didn't never had any thoughts of leaving. Um, yep. Although, although in the nineteen eighty three season when Larry started, um, myself and Dean Gardner had planned a trip overseas, which okay. was around the which around which was around the middle of the year, and that was that was going to be for about twelve months. So, oh wow! So we were. Yeah, it was something we planned for four or five years prior, but then um, 
that's what we wanted to do, and and we and we did it. But towards towards that that before we left, um, I think Larry left us out of the team for quite a few weeks because he knew that um, <laughs> you know we weren't going to be there. So yeah, that's that was around June, July, and then Dean and I had left, uh, went over to Italy and Europe and that, and um, yeah, and we didn't we didn't play for uh, oh, over a year. Yep. And on my return, I think uh, John Bingham. I heard John Bingham got the job okay. for Long United. Yeah, and um, and John had John had rang me saying, "Oh, what are you? What are your plans?" And so I said, "Oh, I'm keen to come back." So I went back there, and um, yeah, John was John was another guy that was pretty intense and um, yep. you know, pretty full on, and um, you know, demanded hundred percent out of everyone. A little bit like Mike Johnson, a little bit, little not not as full on, but a, a little bit more laid back. But you know, still pretty full on. And um, he put together a really good team, which would eventually, you know, get promotion to state super league. Yeah, which was a huge achievement for the club and 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 the Illawarra. Back to back to Larry briefly. Yeah. With with Larry, was it even though you were going on holiday, was it a a breath of fresh air in the club? that Larry had taken over um, in terms of he wasn't as, as intense as, as Mike. Did you notice that in the sort of playing group? Yeah, I did. Larry was there uh, in the late 70s and he did, did well yeah. with Wollong United. Um, I think I think that might have even been... I think Wollong United had, had stemmed from the old Primby Club, okay. I think. Okay, um, yeah. But, I, but, but, but when they changed over to Wollong United, they were, I think they were in the local second division. Yeah, they did, the, they the did start off from... From the bottom, yeah. And I think Larry was with him there, and he had quite a few good, successful years there. So Larry, Larry was very well liked amongst the uh, Macedonian soccer community, and um, and I think that's why they got him back after uh, Mike Johnson had left. And um, yeah, Larry was Larry was a bit more laid back, but you know we still had had, had a couple of good years, and um, yeah. So with John, um, you know, what were his uh, training sessions and and game days like? Was it was it similar to Mike or? Or did he do it slightly differently? Um, very similar. Um, he, he was a guy that liked to be well prepared. Yep. Um, we'd, we'd meet, we'd meet at various places before games. Um, he, he'd show us um, certain videos of. Um, I remember uh, uh, some some English videos of how things were done over there and how they trained and things like that so we'd go through certain things and then he'd, he'd go he'd go through the team and you know, exp- you know what was expected of every player and um you know there's good preparation and then we'd all go to the game together and yeah it was all pretty full-on also with John. So did you feel pretty lucky when you look back on it and and we'll talk about some of the other clubs you played with after Wollongong United slash Macedonia but do you feel lucky that at that point in time you were getting some some very, very good coaching from the likes of Mike Johnson, Larry, and and John, that, you know, a, a video session, which wouldn't have been very normal back then, would it? No, no, it was all, um, it was all new to us and uh, something, something I enjoyed, certainly. And just as a, a little uh, funny aside, even though you were more of a, a sort of a, a passing player, more of a technical player rather than a, a, a physical player, uh, footballer um what was uh one of uh john's john's quotes that he used to uh say to players oh well john 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 had a john had that sort of uh aggro sort of streak in him yep. um 
which was okay. Um, and I think he expected every player to be similar. Yep. As I mentioned to you before, that wasn't one of my um, wasn't one of my strong points. Um, yep. I always always load on you know putting the ball on the ground and get, you know getting past players that way rather than you know um, the physical side. Um, but there was a there was a game important game we had down at Berkeley, and I remember and <laughs> me and our mates still talk about this to this day that. Yeah. John had, John had stood in the middle of the dressing shed before a game. Says he said, if, you, if your opponent if your opponent's got no shin pads, wearing rubbers, <laughs> he said, I want you to get stuck in them. <laughs> <laughs> and and by rubbers he meant rubber studs instead of the rubber studs. Yeah, that's right. So uh, <laughs> yeah, that was that was funny when we look back on that. And those um, years under John, um, like you said, you got promotion to the state super league. So. Um, do you recall any sort of the the bigger matches there and and um, you know the crowds and and sort of what happened in in some of those bigger matches? Oh, the bigger matches I remember is just pretty much the the derbies against Fremantle. Yeah, um, I think the biggest one I remember was uh, they finished first and we finished second. Yeah, and, and I think it was I think it came down to the last game of the season at Herb Clunas Oval. Yeah, it did. Where the, where the winner the winner would be would gain promotion to the state super league and um Fremantle beat us two two one I think it was um nil I'm not sure exactly of the score yeah so the Macedonians had planned a big party at the church and um you know it, it never happened because everyone was just flattened you know yeah. by the um by the loss so we'd all gone back to the church and everyone was just sitting around you know open and um I just said to my mates, I said, "Come on, let's go to the frat. <laughs> we'll go. We'll go over with the uh, the uh, Free Meadow boys, which my brother was in that team at the time, Rob." Yeah, how how was that uh, in 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 that season? And and maybe there was others, but how was it to to play against your brother? Even though he's a he was more of a striker, I, I, I think from memory, and and you were playing on yeah. that left side of midfield. How was it uh, being an opponent of your brother? Oh, yeah, it was a bit strange, but, you know, it it sort of didn't phase me, you know, on, yep. on the day. Yep. It was just one of those things. And um, like I said, we end up we end up going back to the frat and, um, you know, I mean, the, se- the, the season was over. We know we lost. There's not much you can do about it. And it was the last game of the year. So we just we just went and had some beers with them and um, that's the way it was. And, um yeah, but the following the following year, um, we end up uh, winning the comp and winning promotion, so sort of made up for it. Yeah, and and and, and yourself, um, how satisfying was it to be part of uh, a team where you you got promoted after the year before, getting so close, but falling at the final hurdle, and and now that you you won it the year after. Yeah, it was good. It was it was hard mentally because you know you feel so deflated mm. after. Um, after a season like that, and you know, just falling at the last hurdle, and then, but we did. We we all got back on the training pitch pre-season. Um, John was coaching again, and um, you know, we had a good squad again, and um, you know, we we're just focused, and you know, we did the job. Do you recall um, in that promotion year uh, a couple of the other players uh, in terms of who was in goals or in defence or or up front? Yeah, well, Barney King was up front. Um, yep. 
Barney Barney King Dean Gardner. Yep. Um, Jeff Jeff Robinson was our goalkeeper. And was John still John Bingham was still player coach at that point, or or had he retired? No, no, he was still player coach. Yep. Yeah, I think we had Phil Mowbray played with us too. Um, yep. One of the good good local soccer players. And was Harry Harry Sutton still playing with 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 you guys? I'm not sure if Harry was because he he just taken up a teaching position at Batlow and um, I think he was in and out. You okay. know, he wasn't able to train, wasn't able to train at the time. And I, I remember it was a good squad and um, we um, we held our own in state league too. And for you, how was the dynamic of because previously in the previous seasons. John had uh, been a player coach as well. So how did how did that dynamic work um, for you guys on the field? Was it were you guys more self conscious having him on the field, or once the game started, he was just a player, and then it'd just be at half time and full time, and, and before the game that it'd, he'd be the coach? Yeah, pretty much. Like once we once we once we kicked off, yeah, he, he, he um, I mean, he was you know he used to shout out instructions, obviously, but. Yep. You know, we just looked at him as yeah, just another uh, player. But um, so you know, it worked okay. We, I mean, we've been playing together for a couple of years now. You know, two or three years together, and as a player, player coach, so it didn't sort of phase too many of us. For you, at the at the end of uh, your final season there, at Wollongong Macedonia, was it more a case of that you needed to change, or um, had something happened at the club that you thought I, I need to sort of play somewhere else um not really Casey de Bruin had gotten a job this, this was at the end of 88 we knew that Casey de Bruin had gotten a job uh yep. for the 89 season and I think he just did a clean out just okay. did a complete complete clean out of players and just wanted his players and um, they they included Paul Kay um Graham Fletcher um a few other guys that were floating around the Sydney scene yeah and um, that prompted me and Harry and Dean Gardner to uh, move over to Ferry Meadow, who was still in the um, state league um, under coach Glenn Fontana. How did you find Glenn as a as a coach? Yeah, Glenn was a good coach. Yeah, yeah um, pretty intense guy again. Uh, you know, well prepared. Used to used to have some good sessions, and yeah, that, he put together a pretty good. Uh, squad at uh, Ferry Meadow too, including Peter Willis, um, Larry Beringer, um, Ricky Peel, um, you know myself, Dean, Harry, uh, Gary Hatton, uh, Greg Eager, yep, from Tarawana. Um, yeah, that was an enjoyable year also. So you had a couple of seasons there, and and they were, I think, uh, Ferry Meadow would tell you at that point. Actually, it was only one season because that was the. Uh, that, the, at the end of '89, Fremantle Italia folded up. Yeah, that was the last season. How was that for you? Because um, you can only, I guess, talk about yourself. Did you feel um, sad and and you know uh, a bit more, I guess, hollow about it? Because that's where you you first seen your club, um, and even when you were at Wollongong United, you know, you talked about the great derbies that you had with them. So it must have been sad that it that it ended in that way. It was sad, yeah, especially coming from uh, like from an Italian family. Yeah. Um, and I always felt playing for Wong United. I always felt like a bit of a traitor playing against Fred Meadow because <laughs> um, because of my Italian background and yep. and I, and some of the Italian supporters would um, you know really get stuck into us on the on the on those <laughs> games during those games and. Um, 
but yeah, it was it was sad to see, uh, you know, the uh, the county club, you know, fold. You know, especially for such hard workers like Frank Saladino and um, well, a few other guys well, that, were, that were involved. Yeah, Walter Chishkin, um, uh, Fred Abalone was there, um, Nick Cristofaro, you know, to name just a few. But yeah, yeah. So it was sad, um, but you know. That was the end of an era. Especially, I think, near the, uh, could have been the 85 season where they nearly nearly uh, made the NSL. Um, you know, it's... it's yeah. yeah. They had such a, a wonderful period and, you know, it, it was a loss for the Illawarra soccer scene as well. Yeah, it certainly was. So for you, um, you were out on the, on the lookout in 1990 for, for a new club and, and then you got a call from Balambi. Um with Steve Quirk, so um, you were friends with with Steve. What happened there? I just prior to that, actually, Noddy Alston rang me because he was coaching Coromel. Oh, okay, yep. And he said, um, he says, ah, oh, you know, blah blah blah. You want to come up to Coromel? I said, oh yeah, all right. So I went up there, had a had a couple of training sessions. But then then Steve Steve had rung me. I this is this is early in the season, pre season. Um, yep. So anyway, cut a long story short, I just decided to go with uh, Steve down at um, down at Blamby, and um, he also signed, I think, Graham Fletcher too, and a couple of other young, good young players. So, uh, so yeah, I, I think I went there for uh, two years. But I think at the time they were in the, they weren't in the Premier League; they were in the First Division. Yeah, they're in the First Division. Yeah, and. Um, and I think we got promoted that year. We and and I think we beat Larry Gaffney's team, the White Eagles, yep. in the grand final. Yeah. So for you, was it for you? Uh, you'd sort of been playing. You had been playing state league, and and now you're coming back to sort of the second tier of Illawarra football. How did you find it from a playing perspective? Oh, obviously not as not as intense, you know. Um, a little bit more laid back. Um, everything was just a little bit more laid back compared to, uh, you know, because uh, playing playing in Macedonia it was it was three times a week training. Yep. Sydney, you know, preparation. So this 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 in a sense was, um, uh, you know, obviously a little easier and uh, and be, being um, being married also at this stage. Yep. Which was not, not I got married. In '89, um, having children, um, it suited me because it wasn't as full on. Yep. So from yeah. a, a work-life balance, it it made more sense to sort of come back to the local leagues anyway. Definitely, yeah, yeah. But still enjoyable. And 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 it was a club that that I started with, also in a sense, you know, Balambi and um, being back there too. This, you know, a lot of the. Bank, Rob Banks was obviously still hanging around and a couple of other guys that I played with. So, you know, that was enjoyable too. And Steve Steve Quirk, um, he, he was a player coach in that year, was he? Yeah, Steve, Steve was um, Steve was always a good player from, you know, he was an old boy, boy yeah. and um, he loved his soccer. Um, he, got the, he got the coaching job. But I'm not sure whether Steve played. I think he might have played play coach. Okay. But um, yeah, he put together a good team at Blamey too, and um, yeah, we had a, we had a good year there too. Um, obviously, I think getting promoted. Do you recall any of the other players in that in that first division season with Blamey? 
Oh, Terry Stewart, uh, Ricky Smith, yep. um, uh, the Evans brothers. Um, Tyrone. Tyrone. Um, yep. Shane. Um, yeah. What was your connection with Steve? Were you friends outside of soccer or, or how did he know yeah, to yeah. get in contact with you? Well, sort of like um, we're related through marriage actually because Rob, my brother's wife, yep. and Steve's wife are sisters. Uh, okay. And also... Also, one of the Saturn brothers, Ronnie, was married to another sister. There was five sisters. Okay. So they were all married to sort of friends and obviously my brother. So we all, yep. we all sort of knew each other. And Steve had, um, Steve had just contacted me and said, look, I'm coaching Blamby. Um, you know, I'd like you to come down. So that's how that got it, came about. And so it was a, a pretty easy decision in 91 after getting promotion to, to stick with them and, and, and have a go in Premier League? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, we wanted to see how we how we'd fare in Premier League, and um, and I I I don't even remember how we went, to be honest with you now. <laughs> but um, it was enjoyable and um, a little bit more laid back, you know, not as full on as playing in Sydney and that, but you know, it was enjoyable. Um, that was the I think I think Graham Fletcher played for us in the Premier League actually, not not yep. the year before. Okay. And, and um, you know, Graham got his fair share of goals and. Yeah, we had a few other good young players in the team, and yeah, it's a good good season. And what about um, Graham as a player? What was his strengths? And and for people that haven't seen him play, uh, what made him a, a good striker? Oh, he just he just knew where the goals were. You know what I mean? They just got a knack. Um, he was strong on the ball. Uh, had good tight skills, and um, just, uh, had a knack for uh, the goal mouth. You know? Yeah. And he'd, he'd obviously been. Been there, done that. I, th- I think he might might have started off at Sydney City and then went to St George, and, and maybe even Blacktown um, under Casey De Bruin. Um, but I know he went. I know he was long United with Casey De Bruin, yep. um, and uh, when they eventually went to the National League. Yep. As um, as was my brother too, Rob. He he, he was he was there um, after the Wolves. He did well, uh, Graham, in the local league. At the end of 91, um, another friend that you'd had quite a bit of time with at Ferry Meadow and at Wollongong United in in Harry Satin, um, he gave you a call and and you joined uh, Coniston Lions, or I think at the time Coniston Macedonia. So was that more the the biggest part of the decision was, was Harry? Oh, pretty much, yeah. Um, Dean, Dean Gardner had already been already signed up, but okay. he signed up pretty much at the start of the year. Yep. Um, I was actually building at the time. I was actually building in Taraji, and I and I was only builder, and you know things had gotten pretty hectic. So I thought oh, I'm not going to play this year. So okay. it wasn't until about April or May when I started really missing playing. Yep. Look, I don't know if Harry rang me or I rang Harry, but. Um, Anyway, I, I ended up going to Coniston and, um, yeah, playing there. And, again, it was a successful year. I think we finished first and then I think we made the grand final up at, uh, the, at the New Balls Paddock against uh, Fig Tree. And um, got got, uh, got a touch-up 4-1 when <laughs> we got beat. So that year, like you said, you, you played the majority of the year and were you playing in, in the left midfield role with Coniston? Yeah, yeah, left midfield. And the other players in the team was Harry still playing coaching at the time, and and you had other yeah. blokes like Rady Stefanowski and and Sarge and and Dean as yep. well. 
So uh, it was a very talented team, wasn't it? Yeah, with a couple of good young, up-and-coming young Macedonian kids, yeah. So that year it was uh, to come up from the first division um, the year before and then to win the league, it's a, it's a pretty big achievement. Um, you, you must have been quite happy with the decision, although own a building and, and you had a lot on your plate off the field to be part of uh, a, a league championship. Yeah, it was. Look, yeah, I did have a lot on my plate and I remember not being oh, totally sort of focused. Mm. Um, and I think Harry knew it too, so there was, you know... There was times where I was left out and then put back in and left out and yep. you know anyway that's the way that year went but um I, yeah I had a lot on my plate at home you know I, I think I was only builder for about two years and uh, that was a lot of pressure you know with with my with my own business too and it wasn't a problem for you that you know you had your friend coaching you and sometimes you'd get dropped because you knew that you know your concentration and your discipline wasn't where where it was in its normal normal sense. Uh, d- Deep down, yeah, that was that was it. But um, you know, no one likes to get dropped. No, and um, and I don't think uh, a mate would like to drop you either. But um, that's the that's the way it was. And um, you know, I, I never held any um, I didn't never had any issues with with Harry or you know. Yep. That's just the way it was at the time, and um, under the under the circumstances, and um, but again, it was it was still enjoyable. You know, we you know I, I, I did play quite a few games and. Got to play in another grand final, which was good. Yeah, and, and and what happened at that grand final? Because the scoreline would suggest differently, but was it a bit closer or? I remember Darren. I remember Darren Nee's got a hat trick. Yep. And Phil Carr was coach from victory. But what I do remember, one one of the things I do remember about that game was that we couldn't get in the dressing shed because the team that was in the dressing shed after they finished their game, yep. were carrying on, singing, carrying on. Nothing. So our preparation was crap. It was, uh, we didn't have we didn't have enough time. Um, you know, they pretty much got out of the shed at, uh, I don't know, very late, quarter past, 20 past two, and we just sort of wow. raced in there, just tried to get changed and, you know, trying to concentrate on, on this grand final. So that was one thing. Another thing I noticed too was um, a lot of young guys were, um, yeah, they were very nervous, you know, mm. I, I noticed. And um, I think that sort of, you know, the preparation together with, um, you know, just a bit of an experience on some guys' parts, I think that sort of may, may have cost us, you know, a, a more competitive match. Against know? a seasoned Fig Tree team that had, had won a lot of grand finals in, in the past five or six years. Oh, definitely, yeah, yeah. And Kari, you know, he, he was, he was a, you know, been around for a long time. And yeah, that's the way that went. How did you rate Harry as a coach? Um, obviously, results would say that he was a very good coach. Do you think um, he was just a great communicator? And um... yeah, he was. He was. He was very methodical because I think that stems from his teaching. Yeah, background. Yeah, he was a teacher, and you know, he, he was a good, he was a good um, player, sort of manager, man manager, if you like, and. Um, you know, had everything sort of written down and, um, you know, meticulously went through things in the dressing shed with all the players individually. Yeah. He, he, he wasn't, he wasn't someone like, uh, John Bingham or Mike Johnson that, mm, um, mm. that had that, that had that, um, that sort of, uh, streak in him. You Ruth, know, that expected... Ruthless streak. Yeah. Yeah. He was, was, um, more of a diplomatic sort of guy, but, um, nevertheless, he was a good coach and, um, and, you know, uh, and a good mate, you know, so he wanted to do well for him too. 
And again, um, a sort of theme with yourself regarding where you played, uh, another Macedonian club um, and, and probably one of their golden periods as, as, a, as a club as well. You know, the first division win the year before and, and now winning the league. Uh, there must have been some good crowds as well. Yeah, yeah, Coniston drew drew a fair fair crowd for a, for a local local team. Um, and it's funny because a lot of the guys you used to see at Wollong United sort of they sort of hop between games. You know, they, <laughs> they there's a there's a sprinkling of the Wollong United crowd at the Coniston games. You know, <laughs> and um, so he's kind of sort of like knew everyone from you know years back. So the owner builder stuff that you were doing in your in your every day to day life. Um, did that sort of influence your change in in '93 to to play at Fernhill? Yeah, look, I, I just like the idea of just going down the road, you know. Yep. 500 meters, and I'm I'm there. <laughs> and Gaff, Larry Gaffney had actually run me, you know, and he was he was sort of building a team down at Fernhill, so I, that suited me. It was local, and um, I know I knew some of the Fernhill guys from from a long time ago, and. Yep. I just thought, oh, this this will be good, you know. It's um, again close, and you know, I'm I'm only thirty seconds away from training, and uh, you know, so so that was good. That and, and they they were enjoyable years at Fernhill because I didn't have the pressure of building. That was yep. that was all over, and I could I could really concentrate on on playing, you know, getting back into playing soccer again. And um and, and Larry put together a good side down there too, or you know, a very competitive team. And, um, Playing with uh, some of the Fernhill legends, Gary Brooks and Peter Thompson. Um, I think Mark Simpson was down there. Yep. Um, so guys, guys that I've known for a long time, and um, yeah, that, like I said, it was enjoyable. Do you feel very lucky that over your soccer career that you got to play with a lot of friends as well as meet new people and and make friendships? Because it seems that it was a constant theme. In, in the years that you did play, that you always had two or three people that you really knew well. Um, yeah, well, look, it wouldn't nowhere would have been as good as um, the Macedonia days yep. when there was five or six of us. You know, <laughs> that was still close to this day. Um, but um, yeah, it's you know through soccer, as you know, you make friends and um, you know lifelong friends, and um, and you're always meeting new people and. Um, you know, when you're playing against someone, you think, oh, you know, this guy's, you know, a dickhead, whatever. Yep. But, um, and, and then when you play with them, you know, you find out that, hang on, no, this guy's... They're a decent boy. This, this is a good... This, this is a nice guy, and um, and, and it's, it's like that with 99% of people, isn't it? You, yeah. you get a... You play against them, and then when you play with them, you, you know, you end up, you know, striking up new friendships. Larry, how was he as a coach? Um, he'd obviously... Played at played NSL level with Brisbane City and and come back into the Illawarra. Um, you know he played at Unidera before he went to Brisbane and, and done very well here in the Illawarra. But you know he was a great player. How was he as a coach? Yeah, Larry's a good coach. Um, he's very very um, very experienced, as you said, especially his playing experience. Um, I actually played with Larry in at Macedonia in 1988. He he, he was there for the year and. Um, <laughs> So we, we sort of became mates too. Um, obviously, when he asked me to join Fernhill, yeah, um, we, we sort of became closer. And um, Larry, Larry's a good coach. Um, as I said, experienced and, um, you know, laid back, you know, a bit, 
probably, you know, not not intense like um, the previous um, couple of previous coaches, but yeah. um, but uh, you know, he got he got he got the best out of the guys and in a different way, you know, and um, it was enjoyable. I guess it could be an urban myth, and and maybe you could uh, tell me if it's true or not. But I did um, hear uh, that in that period where he was coach at Fernhill, that there was a time where um, it might have been a bad game. Uh, it could have been rain. I'm not too sure. But on a Tuesday or a Thursday night, he uh, he came across to the. I guess he came down to the ground, and he came with a, a couple of cases of beer and and told the guys that he, we're not training tonight. Let's just have a beer together. And and that was a training session. Is there any truth to that? <laughs> no, not, not not that I know of. <laughs> have you heard that? Have you? Yeah, I, I heard that. So it must be a bit of a an urban myth around around uh, his uh, coaching career there. Oh, look! After training, sometimes um, we'd have a beer. Yep. Um, there'd be there'd be there'd be beer in the fridge. But no, there was always training. Never never a session missed. <laughs> <laughs> and during this period. Um, you know, we'll talk about Claudio Cellini in a, in in a moment, and and give him his uh, um, may he rest in peace. His his due due time in terms of what he's done, and you got to play with him at Fernhill, but you got to play with Scott Chipperfield as well, and um, that must have been a a memorable experience for yourself and other other teammates that you saw someone that was sort of trending upwards as a player. Yeah, for sure. In hindsight, yeah, it's always good to look back on um, someone that's gone on to play for you know country, country, country in a World Cup, a few World Cups. Yeah, that's that was awesome. And I used to love watching Australia play and watching Chipper play. Yeah, um, but uh, Chipper was, I think he was eighteen when he first came to Fernhill. Yep, and um, had speed to burn and skill, and yeah, he had. He was a quality player, you know. Um, at being 18, had a lot to learn, but you know he was there for two years, and um, and I actually enjoyed playing with you because because you know we sort of like both like playing on the ground rather than high balls over the top, this sort of stuff. So it was good yep. playing with him. You know, you, you're giving the ball, you know, you're going to get it back. You know, this sort of stuff, one twos, triangles, all this sort of stuff, and um, yeah, he was a pleasure to play with. Yeah. A very, very quiet, very quiet guy, you know, at the start. And um, I do, I, I remember seeing Chippers always, because I'm you know, travelling around in my business, I'd always see him on the bus, yep. you know, blow the horn. <laughs> <laughs> back in back in the days when he was driving for, I think it was Green's coaches or something. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and then think, and then think, thinking of the days where he's, um, you know, on what he's achieved. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's a, yeah, it was a pleasure, mate, to play with him. And as a person, he, he comes across, and I can only say from what I've seen in the media, um, and uh, a couple of times saying g'day uh, when he played at Lambie the last couple of years, but he seems like a down-to-earth person and, and not one with an ego. Oh, definitely, yeah. Yeah, yeah very very sort of casual, laid-back sort of guy. Um, yeah, he's just, just one of the boys, isn't he, really? Um yeah, I know his mum pretty well too, and you know they're all raised in the local area. And, um, yeah, they're just uh, just a all around pretty nice guy. And what about um, a, a very close friend uh, in Claudio Cellini? Um, like I said, uh, may he rest in peace. And and it was a, a tragic loss for 
for his family and, and friends um, to be lost at such a young age. But can you tell us um, a bit about him as a player and, and, and the opportunity that you got to, to play with him at Fernhill? Yeah, sure. Um, oh, I've known Claude since our teenagers and um, through soccer. Um, then we started playing golf together up at the Boomerang. Yep. Um, many, you know, many years ago, and um, and then we sort of, you know, as you do in life, you, you go your separate ways. Always, always being friends, but not sort of hanging, hanging out together. Yep. But, um, and then Claude went on to, you know, play National League with the Wolves. Um, had a great career. You know, together with, um, I think, I think he was one of the better players in the local Illawarra League too. Um, For a long period. Yeah, um, I think he may have even got Player of the Year a few times like in the Illawarra team. But um, I think it was the second year that Larry was at Fernhill. He, he, um, he got Claude down there and um, we sort of rekindled our friendship. Yep. Um, got closer and, you know, obviously the golf, we played we played a hell of a lot of golf together <laughs> right right up until, um, you know, probably six months ago. And um, every year, every, every week, twice a week, um, but it was good playing with Claude because Claude again was a type of player that loved to loved to play on the ground, and um, you know he was a he was a oh, what I call um, uh, oh, not a true soccer player, but um, a guy that uh, what's I'm, I'm, I can't think of the I can't think of the word now, but yep. um, so he was a, he, uh, he played in the centre of midfield, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, he was a pretty dynamic sort of guy. Um, he was always buzzing around and, um, you know, liked to get the ball on the ground, spread it, spread it around and, you know, he was, um, yeah, he was a good, good guy to play with. And so, uh, obviously, you rekindled your friendship there and and uh, played a lot of golf together and, and he was an extremely good golfer as well as being an extremely good centre midfielder and, and footballer, wasn't he? Yeah, Claude had this uh, ability, natural ability, all around. You know, um, we also played tennis together and yep. um, against each other and with other mates. And he was a good tennis player, but um, exceptional golfer. He was playing off scratch, and um, he won quite a few uh, Wollongong Open tournaments, which which would have some of the state's top amateurs playing in it. And he, you know, and you know, on that a few times, won a few A grade championships. Yeah, very capable golfer, and um, so yeah, he Claude passed away in December, just gone, and um, yeah, I miss him a lot. And because um, we we played together, like I said, we played golf twice a week together, and um, you know, it was a lot of lot of talk and banter, and yeah, gonna miss him a lot. Yeah, well, I, I like I said, I, I publicly uh, send my condolences to to family and friends, and and apologise that. I ask you those questions, although uh, I think uh, a person of his uh, stature in our local league and, and the person that he was, he, he coached at Bowgowney for one year and, and I found him a very genuine and, and knowledgeable man. So uh, I just wanted to sort of... Uh... Oh, I don't apologise for talking about him. Um, he, uh, it's better to talk about someone than to forget about him, I think. Yeah, I, I totally agree, and I just wanted, I guess, the local listeners and, and others that, that might not know of him that uh, he was held in, in high regard um, by by many 
um, mm. by nearly everyone, to be honest. And and yeah. like I said, he was a a person that you dearly miss. And the, my apology was more around um, making you talk about a a very very good friend. No, no, no. It's, no apologies needed, Travis. I was um, I'm happy to, and um, I still keep in touch with his parents. I'm going to go and see them often and um, just make, make sure they're okay <clears throat> Yeah, and getting through. On to um, the next coach at Fern Hill, Peter Willis. Um, he's a, He's been in our uh, local league now as a coach um, and, and as a player at different levels, in more so state league, and, and he's played NSL as well. Um, it must have been, uh, when you look back at it, uh, nearly all of your coaches, you, you've had some quality coaches and, and he's quality as well. Yeah, well, I also played with Pete at uh, Ferry Meadow in the last year in 89. He was a teammate yep. before he um, before he got into coaching. Yeah, Pete Pete was a good coach. Um, very, again, very passionate, very passionate guy. Didn't take any crap. Yep. Um, expected uh, a certain level of training, certain level in the game and... Um, and he, you know, he was a guy that could get, you know, the best best out of you. And um, no, I like I like his style very much. And he's a good bloke too. And and for you, that period there at Fernhill, um, did you think it would be as enjoyable as it was? Um, like you said, you 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 probably your sweet spot of was when you had those five or six mates at at Wollongong United and your brother, um, and that period there in the eighties where it was. Uh, a great time to play football at a serious level, but have friendships as well. But your time at Fernhill was very enjoyable as well. Yeah, it was because um, Pete Pete had bought some <clears throat> some very handy players over from Belgiani. Um, uh, you'd know them all, Greg Yeoman, yep. um, Peter O'Brien, yeah. um, Richard Peel. Some quality um, players there. Yeah, and. Um, Mixed in with a couple of the Fernhill guys that were already there, and we had a had a handy side. And uh, yeah, they were good years. You know, when you when you're competitive, and everyone's on the same page, you know, everyone trains hard and plays hard, and you know, it's enjoyable. That's what you want. When you're down at Taraji Oval or or Ray Robinson Field, as it was, uh, when it blows a gale, it, it must have been a a bit frustrating for you at times, wanting to 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 play football when. Um, you know, the the wind didn't uh, allow you to do it as best you could. No, that's right, but um, fortunately it wasn't too bad. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I, as I said, I've always liked playing the game on the ground and um, sometimes that wasn't possible at Fernhill. <laughs> <laughs> and after um, Fernhill, um, which was probably late 90s, 98, around about that time, um, you then... Um, did you finish up at the club and, and, and retire or or Yeah, well I thought I did. Um yep. I ended up I ended up playing uh, amateur over it was over thirty five comp. Okay. With uh, Mick and Claude Cooter. They yep. they had a team in the um over thirty fives called I think they were called Commonwealth Rangers. Okay. funnily enough. <laughs> and um and they had a they had a good side, you know, with good ex players and um so I ended up I ended up joining that side, which well, I started I started a pre-season with them, and then we were in the Coromandel League's knockout one year down at Taraji, and we played against Winerna, yep, which who was coached by Ian Serson, and um, 
Ian had just got the job coaching Werner. And um, anyway, a couple of days after that game, Ian rings me up. This, this was 1999. And yep. he says, oh, what did you play? Blah, blah, blah. He says, are you interested in coming to Winona? And I thought, ah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, ah, oh, okay. <laughs> so uh, I, was, I think I was about 37 then. And um, so I had, had another year at, uh, another in the Premier League also at the time. So I, stretched out another year at Winona under Ian. And, um, <laughs> so, yeah, that was enjoyable too, you know. Um, again, there was good young players at Winona and, um, and funnily enough, that was my first club ever. Yeah, Winona Juniors. Junior and that, that was the last club, that was the last club I, I, I played sort of serious soccer with. Um, so, uh, yeah, did the full circle. So, it was a, it was a nice touch for you to, to have that that year with them and, and play at Ocean Park and sort of, you know, like you said, yeah. turn that football circle the full way around to where you first started playing when you're in under sevens. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, so that was, um, yeah, that was enjoyable too. Um, Cause I thought, I thought that was all over before that phone call, but um, so I got another year and um, yeah. And uh I, I, I don't remember exactly how we finished, but I think it was probably mid-table or just below. Yeah, which was pretty good for um, being promoted from the yeah. year before. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's that was the I think that was the last year of sort of competitive soccer that I played, and then then I went on back into the over thirty-fives with um, a few mix of guys from Fernhill yeah. um, that we played together a few years back. Um, yeah, so we formed a we formed a amateur side at Fernell for a few years, and and that was enjoyable from from your perspective, just to still have a kick. Uh... Yeah, that was just basically having that was basically having a kick and um, no training involved. I, I still kept up the my running. Yeah, I, I just enjoy just going for a run a couple of times a week, so so I, I enjoy that, and I still do now. And um, but that was just enjoyable. We'd have we'd have a game and then. Every, everyone would have a turn of buying a case of beer and we'd just have a few beers after the game and a laugh. Before we finish up, Paul, uh, I'd like you to retell a, a, a funny story uh, when we go back to, to the mid-1980s and 85 and, and you're in your early 20s and, and you're with your, your girlfriend at the time who's now your wife, Jenny, and you're in the Gold Coast on a holiday in the off-season and, and, and then what happened? Okay, so we... Um... We're in the uh, main drag of uh, Surface Paradise. Yep. Just walking along the road, and I heard this. Uh, I heard this guy yell out. He, he called me Goz because that's my nickname, Gozlo. But Goz. He goes, "Hey, Goz." <laughs> you know, Scottish Scottish accent. <laughs> I looked across the road and it's Jerry Walker. <laughs> and I went. I, I said, "Hey, you going?" I said, "What are you doing up here?" And he says, "Oh, we're just playing in an over 35s Masters type competition at Carrara Oval." He said, you want a Ganton? <laughs> I said, well, look, I've got no boots, I've got no shorts, I've got, I haven't even got a friggin' towel and whatever. And <laughs> he says, oh, he says, no worries. He said, just um, just turn up tomorrow at 12. He said, we're, we're playing at 1 o'clock and, um, you know, you get a game, you know. <laughs> I said, yeah, but I'm too young. I said, I'm, he says, oh, don't worry about it, you know. <laughs> so on the way up to Carrara, I pulled into Woolworths or, and I bought a I think I bought a towel and some shorts and um, got a pair of socks and, um, and a cheap pair of boots somewhere. 
and um, I, I turned up at the ground and I walked in the shed and he's not in there's Noddy Alston, there's Rob Banks, there's bloody Brian Dodd, there's all the legends of bloody Shay Gleason. Shay Gleason. And I don't know who the manager was. He says, Oh, you're up front, you and Noddy are up front. Oh, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> so um so yeah, we ended up playing. I don't know who we played, I don't know what the score was and um but I was I was wrapped that I was playing with these guys, you know, that were um you know, ex ex legends and um State that, League players, was, uh rep- representatives in Noddy's case as Socceroo. Soccer, yeah, and um, and all, all around, all good blokes because we we had a drink after the game, and um, it was great. Yeah, it was a good experience, and um, so yeah, and no no one said anything about my age. I must have looked <laughs> over thirty five. <laughs> so, what did your uh, girlfriend and and now wife Jenny say when uh, your holiday was interrupted by by soccer? Oh, she wasn't very impressed because. Um, <laughs> But she knew it was only just a one-off and just a just an afternoon thing, and um, she was happy. She, she ended up coming with me and um, sitting in the stand somewhere. <laughs> um, but I have to say that um, she's put up with a lot yeah. over the years, and you know we've had five children, and, um, and she's had to do a lot on her own. You know, with all the all those coming home from work, training sessions, and um, Sydney, and so. A lot of praise too, you know, as women always um, sort of tend to get left out in these conversations. Yeah, well, I was, oh, you, you, you beat me on that one, and I was going to ask that question in terms of your wife Jenny and and the support that she's given you. But you've you've just stated it there that you know, sporting wives they do uh, give up a lot in terms of not having uh, players around or their their partners around, and and like you said, the the Tuesdays and Thursdays, and and I guess. When she uh, started going out with you in the eighties, the state league uh, Sydney travel as well. Yeah, it was a big, big commitment, but it was also big for her to, um, you know, cause she was she was dealing with the kids at a difficult time. You know, you were sort of walking from train, you walking from work, and then you go on the train, and that was the hardest time of the, you know, the evenings, as yeah. you know, getting everything prepared, dinner and all that, and then putting them to bed, and um, you come home and everything was quiet after eight at eight thirty. <laughs> so, um, so it was all, um, no, she, she did well and, um, you know, a lot of frustrating times for her and, and, you know, a few arguments here and there, but we got through and, um, you know, I couldn't have done it without her really because had I not had someone as supportive, you know, I, don't, I don't know if I would have played for that one, you know. And, um, yeah, so I actually, I actually played um, last year in the over 45s for Coldale, again with, again with Harry Sutton and Dean Gardner. <laughs> and another, another another mate of ours that played with us in the state league days, David Jersa. Yep. And um, at Coldale, and um, yeah, that was fun too. But um, I just found it's just a bit hard on the body these days. So <laughs> yeah, I've decided just to run. I go for beach runs and just keep it simple. <laughs> when you look back now on on your career and in getting uh, ready for this interview, you you gave a great timeline uh, about where you played and and who you played with and the coaches. Is there a period uh, that you look back with with more fondness, or or is there a club where you say I'm I'm more of a Wollongong United player in my mind, or a Fernhill player, or or is it a mix of a few things there? Oh, it's just a mix, really. I mean, I really enjoyed um, I really enjoyed the days of Mike Johnson. You know, the the yep. the, the, the um, extra. Um, uh, just how full on it was, yep. um, and, and and under John Bingham, and um, you know later on with Peter Willis at Fernhill. 
you know, it was, it was it was my dream to be a professional. That was my dream as a young kid, as a, yep. as a, as a young teenager. And um, I think luck plays its part too. Sometimes you've just got to have an eye. A coach has just got to have an eye for you. You know, it wasn't to be in my case where, where I went sort of to the next level. You know, and um, yep. but, but but you know, I'm I'm happy. I'm you know, I, I, you know, we trained hard and did all the right things. I'd like to uh, give you a, a big thanks, especially on this public holiday Monday, um, and. And I know we're all uh, got a bit of uh, cabin fever at the moment, and I appreciate you <laughs> taking the time to spend it with me and, and help me my uh, my passion project, which is this podcast and, and interviewing former players and coaches. So I'd like to say a, a huge, huge thanks, and, and respect goes out to you, Paul. Oh, thanks, Travis, and thanks for um, getting me to talk. Yeah. Well, it is here where we finish episode 44. Once again, I'd like to sincerely thank Paul for the time he spent conversing with me over the phone. As always, thank you for listening and downloading this podcast. I am your host, Travis. Goodbye for now. (laughs) 